All right, everybody, welcome to Benny and the Beaks. I'm um, going to start off by saying this is uh, just a quick interview um, with a close friend of mine, Ray, um, talking about recruiting duty. His time on recruiting duty, a little bit of mine. Um, we served together for three years, um, and we've just been friends ever since. And um, unfortunately, due to scheduling and, and kind of rushing this since he's PCSing on Monday, um, we couldn't have Bakes with us, um, but he's here in spirit, as always. But um, without further ado, um, Ray. Hey, what's up, everybody? I appreciate uh, good old Benny allowing me the opportunity to speak to you guys about, you know, my experience on recruiting duty. So um, just so everybody understands, the, the reason why I had um, Durkee be the first person um, that I wanted on the podcast, just because he has a very unique story. Um, as among, among many other recruiters on, you know, Marine Corps recruiting duty and other, you know, branches. Um, and I really, really just wanted to get his take on it. And the reason why we rushed the interview is because he gave his going away speech yesterday. Tomorrow we're having a going away speech. So right now it's it's all fresh in his mind. Um, so I guess the first question that I would ask you is, how does it feel to know that this three years, this long journey is is now behind you officially. Uh, <clears throat> it's uh, it's really it's it's unreal, man. I I feel like tomorrow somebody's gonna call me. Hey, what do you have for tomorrow? <laughs> kind of thing, you know. Um, you know, do you have any? You know, anybody coming in uh, to interview? Uh, it doesn't feel real. Um, so I you're was, still in that like shock. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, that, that definitely still in shock. Uh, it's it's been challenging, man. It's been fun. I've had some moments, uh, but yeah, man, it, I'm kind of excited. I'm ready to move on, to going back to the Marine Corps because uh, you know, of course, I'm active duty. Uh, so you know, going back to my actual job, which is uh, crash fire rescue, uh, going back to doing the whole firefighting thing. Uh, it's it's exciting and I'm definitely nervous about it. Okay. Um, so my other question would be really how would, we'll kind of start from the beginning. So how did you feel coming out on recruiting duty? You know, how did you feel about it? Did you, was it like a, a culture shock to you? Was it like not what you thought it was? Like, what did you think coming out here? Uh, so um, coming out here, it was, Definitely nerve-wracking. I, I would definitely say that. Um, but I think uh, I was kind of used to it, you know, like starting kind of from scratch. You know, the school, uh, it's a great, you know, they, they teach you everything that you need to know, but they just kind of teach it by the book. Um, and overall, like from my experience, is, is definitely uh, learning, like I guess you would say, like on-the-job training learning how to do it, learning from different people in the whole process. Um, so, yeah, a little nerve-wracking, but kind of kind of used to it. Okay. Um, what would you say your favorite part of recruiting duty was, if you had one? <laughs> <clears throat> um, definitely, I would say my favorite part of recruiting duty uh, was working with you guys, like people like yourself, uh, Sergeant Morales, uh, Staff Sergeant Romaine now. Uh, working with you guys, being in the, I would call it the suck. Yeah. You know, um, working long hours, you know, trying to find somebody. Uh, I would definitely say that was my favorite part, is just being with you guys. 
like yeah. day in and day out. Doing it alone would never have happened. Yeah, no, doing it alone. <laughs> um, at some moments, um, some moments, uh, doing it alone, uh, it's nice, but it's not. It's like, you know, you're you're out there, you know, going through everything, you know, making phone calls or walking through stores, trying to talk to different people. But it's always nice to have somebody there as like a backup kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, somebody to jump into the conversation oh, yeah. if you mess something up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do, do, doing it together, ACing together, area canvassing, or, you know, even just telephone calls in the office together. Like, hey, how did you do that? It's a definitely the way to go. Um, and just being out there together. Um, I know my favorite part of just being a Marine Corps recruiter was just – the and you mentioned this before in conversations that we've had just the, the ability to take somebody who said no i would never and then completely flip the flip the script and then now they're a sergeant in the marine corps like you you well you have three years so your guys are kind of like just picking up corporal like i have sergeants who are in the marine corps now um who i still talk to who still hit me up who still reach out i still talk to their families because i live in the same neighborhood um but I think that's definitely the best part about it, you know, or even the people who, you know, you never, they never joined the Marine Corps, but you were able to still talk to them about the Marine Corps. You were able to still be there for them and they still hit you up because I have those two, you know, I have, you know, this one dude um, who joined the Marine Corps, went to boot camp. Um, he quit. Um, but even after he quit, he still hit me up. He still thanked me for everything. He still, talk to me about it and I still talk to him, you know, it just wasn't for him or whatever. But, you know, I think that definitely is part of it. Um, what would you say are some of the the struggles that you've had, some of the struggles that you went through? Um, like, what would you say about that? Um, so every everybody has, you know, different experiences um, on recruiting duty. Everybody has a story. Um, but I would, I would definitely say, I think um, for me, uh, the – the hardest part was um, my definitely my my medical issues. Um, you know, I did uh, have a stroke on this duty. Um, you know, when you're in the Marine Corps and you know you're, you're leading Marines and you know deploys and when you deploy to you know a different country and stuff like that, you're still doing your job and the whole process. Um, and and just coming up, man, you kind of feel like you're like nothing can stop you feel like you're on top of the world uh and then you know when you have a stroke um and you know you you kind of realize you're not invincible you're not yeah. superman um and i think that kind of opened my eyes to you know like maybe maybe i should calm down a little bit maybe you know i should enjoy the little moments in life and stuff like that uh it was really hard coming back from that man it, it was you know, before sorry to interrupt you, but before you move on to that, man, um, and this is something that I've never asked you um, since you had that stroke, because uh, now it's been what two years? Yeah, about two years. Yeah. Um, did you? How did you feel as it was happening? Like you got, I know you got airlifted. You got sent to the <clears> hospital <throat> in Pennsylvania. Like, what do you remember any of it? Do you remember being in the hospital? Like, what was going through your mind? Like when, when all of that was going on, like before even getting back to the office, getting back to work, like what was going through your mind at that moment? Like, uh, it was, is more along the lines of like, kind of like what's, what's going on, you know, um, it kind of started with, you know, like a, some kind of little crazy, like, uh, I would say like a sharp pain in my head. Uh, 
and you know and my my wife kind of noticed um that i i started having a huge stuttering issue I, I couldn't speak straight uh and that's where she's like me being stubborn i i never liked to go to the doctor i never liked going to the hospital um please uh for the people who are listening please don't do that man if you have an issue please go to the doctor um but i always very very stubborn and she's like no you're going i'm taking you so you know <clears throat> the hospital was it was a little, little, little distance away because I, I used to live on uh, McGuire. So yeah. it, was, it was like an hour and a half drive, right? Uh, it was about like a forty-five minute drive. Yeah. Well, when yeah. when me and Morales came to see you, we oh. came from Howell, so it was like a, yeah, it was like an hour and a half drive. Yeah, that that was when they transferred me to that hospital. So oh, okay. I actually ended up going to the emergency room. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's somewhere down in like Wrightstown area, whatever it is. Okay. Um, and um, you know, it started. It was just really, it was really weird. It was like a grogginess of like, you know, like you, you can't think straight. You can't kind of, you know, not being able to talk straight in the whole process. It was, it was scary. Uh, you know, honestly, I thought I was going to die. But um, luckily, you know, when I got to the hospital, they gave me a clot buster uh, for, you know, you can look it up. It's just some kind of medication they give you to, to open up your veins. And if you have like a, you know, like a clot or something in your head, whatever it is, it clears it all out. Um, and then after that, that's where they life flighted me to the hospital in PA. Okay. Um, and then of course that's why you had to drive an hour and a half. Yeah. Um, but <clears throat> got there. Uh, I'm and still mad at you because I had to drive an hour and a half. Like that was, that was, what yeah, was you know, bro, you, you know, I didn't, I didn't tell you to come but, see me. You know, but, but the good thing about it was it was actually like Porygon day for Pokemon. So me and Morales spent like three hours. We told our wives that we were still at the hospital with you, but we were actually just Pokemon hunting. Yeah, I remember, I remember the, you uh, telling me that. It was yeah. like literally right when Pokemon Go came out. So yeah, we, me and Morales just walked around the town, the city, and uh, caught like a whole bunch of Porygons and that other that uh, the, and a Metagross. Metagross had just came out that oh, day too. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you having a stroke got me like many rare Metagrosses. So nice. it was actually pretty cool. Okay. And yeah, I got man, my, no, you and, know what, dude? I, and I, I got and th I got to say thank you for that. Yeah. Okay. But um, you know, I I, I can't say thank you to you, man, because uh, one first off, man, you didn't even, you know, when when you even got there, man, you didn't even like tell me like I had my phone, you know, you could have took my phone and went and caught me some fucking Pokemon. Yeah, you're not. Obviously, obviously, you didn't. And I still know. haven't treated you any of them. No, but, you have not. But, but luckily, um, there was another community day, and I got one. So <laughs> but I uh, I think the funniest part. I know this really shouldn't be funny, but Marines think shit like this is, you know, we kind of, we kind of, you know, make light of it. Yeah. But um, the funny part was when me and Morales walked in and uh, Morales started doing a skit from Tropic Thunder. <laughs> and he's like, I think, think I love you. <laughs> and we're making fun of your, your speech impediment, your stutter at the moment. And the nurse walks in and she's like, are you guys fucking serious right now? And we were like, y -y -y yes, ma'am. And then you started laughing your ass off, and then we told you that we brought you a list so you could make TCs, and you know it was a it was a pretty funny time. You know how to make some light of it, but um yeah, that's, that's so, the good thing about the Marine Corps, man. Like honestly, if you think about it, man, is uh, not many people will ever understand our humor. No, never. Uh, never. They will never understand it. But yeah, it was it was funny at the time. Yeah. Um, but you know. So um, um, how did you leaving the hospital, going back to work? You know how did that? Well, number one, most importantly, how did that affect you? You know, what were you feeling? Like, because I remember for a while you were still having like 
issues with speech and you were still making your phone calls, you were still going out talking to people, you know, sometimes there you had a lot of issues and it didn't really stop for like what, like six months, almost a year? Yeah, yeah. Um, so re- recovering, you know, a lot of people recover different from strokes. Um, I actually got lucky and I recovered pretty fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my speech started getting better. Um, but I think uh, the lasting effect of it was uh, I, I started having like really, um, I, I guess you, you could call it like a, a PTSD kind of concept of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I started having like really, really, really bad um, anxiety on uh, like you know a little bit of depression you know i just had moments where like i had like a mental breakdown mm-hmm. uh, and you know I, I, you can't really tell when it's coming um but there were just moments um when i was still out there you know grinding trying to find somebody where i had to pull off on the side of the road or you know i had to pull off in, in some place and, and just kind of i'd call my wife or i'd call my mom and, and and have my moment of like the whole breakdown usually like most episodes I had, um, I would say probably lasting anywhere between like probably 40, 45 minutes. Damn. Uh, and then coming back from it and then, you know, getting back in the, the whole vibe. It, it was a struggle, you know, man. And, and but, you know, a huge thing, man, like a lot of people were like, you know, why'd you stay out here? Why'd you do it? I was That was going to be my next question. Uh, well, because, and that, correct me if I'm wrong. But it, from from what I remember, um, is that the command actually got you a seat at Wounded Warriors, and you were literally told by the command, like, "Hey, you can get off recruiting duty. It won't be any problem, no issues." And we got you a seat for you to go work at Wounded Warriors, and you said no. Yeah. Okay. So um, that is that. That is exactly <laughs> what happened. Yeah. Okay. That is, so that is exactly what happened. Yeah. So run us through that. Why? What was it like? Do you do you think that it's who you are as a person? Do you think it's who the Marine Corps has groomed you to be? Like, why why did why did Ray say fuck no? I'm not gonna do that. Like, why why did you feel that way? I I think it you know part of it of course is is um, the way the Marine Corps kind of groomed me in a way, um, and then again you know a part of it was more of who I am. I've never quit anything you know i never gave up on anything even though you know I've, I've done a lot of different things uh that were very you know challenging really kind of pushed me um and i i didn't want to quit man like i, I can't walk away from something i started and, and that's just who you know overall who i am who i'm built to be i won't ever walk away no matter how hard it gets so that's what it was for you yes not I, quitting on yourself your team and right. just seeing something through, especially because you volunteered to do this. Yes. So you kind of felt like if you didn't finish off, you would just kind of have that emptiness in your life. Yeah. And you would I, regret it. Eventually. I would have. I would have regretted it if I would have walked away from this. Yeah. 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 And bro, I gotta tell you, man. Like, I, dude, I tell your story all the time to people um, because it, realistically, I I don't know that I could have done that. I don't know that. Because you got to think, you know, at the same time, like you throughout recruiting duty, you didn't have time with your family. You didn't have time with your daughter. So realistically, that was a get out of a get out of jail free card that you could have literally had more time with your family and you could have just been done with it. But you as a Marine and, and, and especially as a staff sergeant, you decided, no, that's just not the right thing for me to do. 
And um, and that kind of just brings me also to the point of like why I wanted you, you know, to to be here and kind of just talk about your story because like something that's always bothered me is that you know you'll never you'll never know what people are going through. You just you never will. It's never going to happen. You don't know how they feel. You don't know how they react. Um, but you know, me and you have seen a lot of people come out on this duty, and five months, six months into it, they quit and they're like, I'm done. I, I'm done. I can't do this. And or they come out the, on the duty immediately saying things like, I can't do this. I'm not meant for this. And, you know, it really is just about, you know, mental toughness and being able to tell yourself that no matter what the cost, no matter what it is, you're going to do it and you're going to be successful and you're going to make it happen and just willing it. You know, and um, one of the I, I listened to this podcast um, real as fuck. Um, well, it's real as F real AF by uh, Andy Frisella. And one of the recent episodes he was talking about, and this is one of those things where like you wish you heard it four years ago because it would have really been helpful to know this then. And one of the things that he talks about is he says something along the lines of mastering the monotonous. And bro, that's literally fucking recruiting duty because think about it. You do the same thing every single day. You make phone calls, you go out and talk to people, you go to people's houses, you you go out and you do table talks. You go do, literally every single day for three years is almost the same thing. Now, mind you, I get it. You change your schedule up. Maybe, you know, you go to Long Branch or you go to wherever. But realistically, for 365 days a year for the next three years, you're going to do the same thing every single day. But now hearing that from Andy, like just him saying that, I, I was like, wow, it's so freaking true. Because you were somebody who, you know, where people would you know, I would tell you, hey, man, go home and go see your family. You would go home. You would leave the office, but you'd go back out because you didn't have something for tomorrow. And that was partly me because I instilled that in you from the beginning. Like, hey, man, if you don't have shit for tomorrow, you're not going home. That's it. If the office doesn't have something for tomorrow, you're not going home. Um, and that, you know, it bred uh, a, a recruiter who just never stopped caring and never stopped pushing himself physically and so much to the point where, you know, physically you just couldn't do it anymore for a moment. Um, but what I would then ask you is, what did this duty teach you? Like, what would you say you're, you're going back to the fleet? What would you say you've gained from it? Um, and also, what, do you, what would you say you lost from it, if anything? So to answer your first question, um... You know, a lot, a lot of people take different things from recruiting duty, you know, how it's going to help them be successful. Um, and uh, I think for me, um, knowing that no matter how hard it gets, I will never stop. Like recruiting duty is, I would say 100%, is the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire Marine Corps career so far. I mean, that's 12 years and some change. But it's definitely the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, and another thing is definitely patience. So take me when I was newly promoted sergeant or or staff sergeant. I uh, I had a lot of, um, how would I say, I had a lot of, I didn't have patience for Marines, you know, when they, they mess up. I was like, you know, I was the, screaming at people and yelling at people, you know, don't get me wrong, you know, coming back like because I always went back to that individual after you know lighten lighten them up and yelling at them always went back and it's like hey do you understand why I did this mm -hmm. but in some moments when I look back so far 
I I could have taken it a lot easier. And and that's a huge thing that you know recruiting duty taught me is the patience of understanding people and actually really counseling people and, and truly figuring out what they want. So that way I can help them get there. No matter what it is, if you're having personal problems at home, because you know I, I was a section leader for the fire station, so I was dealing with everybody's problems on top of my problems mm-hmm. and all the other stuff. But learning how to manage that and, and really help people uh, along the way is is something that I, I definitely can take back to the Marine Corps. So you would you agree that the that being on Marine Corps recruiting um, definitely helped you, you be a better person all around and also be a better leader? Yeah, no, a hundred percent. It it's different, man. Like when you're you're sitting there and you're talking to you know civilians or people who've never thought about the Marine Corps, and you're inspiring them to want to join, and then they join, they become Marines, and it's it's different. It's not like talking to Marine Marines, you know, we're all groomed to be Marines, mm-hmm. you know, we're all, you know, everybody has a different ways yeah. of dealing with stuff. But yeah. But talking to someone who's never even thought about it as a night and day. Yes. You know, and, and that's something that I've always realized as well is just talking, you know, people who've never in their life talked about it. And we were, we actually talked about this yesterday um, at, at the all hands, you know, you're going away, you know, um, the CEO said it like, so many people at BRC or across the Marine Corps will always say, oh, I knew I wanted to be a Marine, bro. I put 57 people in the Marine Corps, not among the people that I was a staff in COIC for. So probably like uh, probably anywhere from 200 to almost 250. And I will tell you, I only had a select few, maybe 12 out of those 200 that literally came in and were like, I've always wanted to do this. Most people you had to go find at 1230 at night at Wawa and spark a conversation and then he no showed you three times and then finally when life went to shambles he came in you know and um that good times good times yeah and um i think that so my my next question really for you would be um for the next guy who's coming out here the guy who's you know just found that they got they got hissed about to go to brc you know what I'm sorry, BRC is basic recruiters course. Um, and HIST, I'm not going to lie to you, I have no idea what the acronym means, but it means you got selected to go on recruiting duty or drill instructor. Um, so what would you say to that person? What would you say to that person that is literally about to come out here? What would you? What advice would you give them? Um, I would I would tell them just be just be open minded. Um, you know, everybody recruits different ways. You know, some people are straightforward, honest. Um, I would definitely say dickish, uh, like yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, a lot of people like that. Uh, some people, you know, take a, you know, relaxed approach to it. And then eventually the person comes back, whatever yeah. it is. Um, but being open-minded, um, and learning from other recruiters who've been out here, who've done it, who, or they're trying to help you do it. So being being able to take corrective criticism. Yes. Yes. And one thing I I would say is, and you might hate people listening might hate me for saying this, but don't give a damn. Um, you have to come out here and not think of yourself as a gunny or a staff sergeant. And I don't mean that as in proper greeting of the day or how I talk to you. All right. So. Um, so Vic, man, 
he um, he was a mass art and uh, came out on recruiting duty. And right when I met the way the way we met was I, I was a brand new Marine in the office and um, he um, had just gotten there, just graduated BRC. And I didn't even go to basic recruiters course yet, but I had been, you know, on recruiting duty, like helping people out. So I was already like seasoned. So even though I was a sergeant and he was a mass sergeant, like he would allow me to teach him things. He was like, to this day, bro, he's one of the many reasons why, one, I stay in the Marine Corps. I still talk to him all the time. And he was just one of the most humbling people that I've ever met. The idea that he was a gunny when I met him didn't matter because he knew that all of the rest of the Marines in the office that were all sergeants, he knew that they had experience in something he had no experience in. So he had no problem going to them for help. He had no problem asking them to, hey, can you help me with this phone call? Hey, can you help me with this paperwork? Or if you said to him, hey, man, you know, I just listened to that phone call and Gunny, that shit was trash, bro. Like, I think you should do this. I think you should do that. And he would just take the corrective criticism. He would even come to you for help. But now, mind you, there's been other people that I've met that you can't tell me anything because I'm a gunnery sergeant in the Marine Corps. And it's like that I get that, but you're a gunnery sergeant in the fleet who's aviation or who's motor T or whatever MOS it is. You've never in your life touched recruiting duty. So you don't know what you're doing. So what I would tell any of you coming out here is that you have to have the ability to be constructively criticized by any rank and by any person, because anybody at any moment in life can help you. You know, even like, bro, my first, one of my, I don't know why I did it. Uh, and I suggest any of you do this, if you're going to be a recruiter, um, is sit down with your spouse and interview your spouse. Bro, I, I did that shit um, like six months into recruiting. I don't know why I didn't do it in the beginning, but I did it. Uh, I interviewed my wife and... Bro, I found at the time we were married for like four years and there was stuff that I found out in this, in the, in the interview that I never knew things about her childhood, things about, you know, lack of self-respect or, or whatever it was. There was a lot of things that I found out because I was finally sitting face to face with my wife and asking her questions. And it really puts a different perspective on it because you realize that as close as you are with your spouse, there's a lot of things that maybe you've just never been open to talking about or you've just never talked about. Um, Not wrong. So that's definitely something that I recommend people to do. But just, just being humble, like just learn from people. Because like 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 Ray said earlier on in the episode, like there's so many times where you're like, oh, the only way to do it is my way. But really, the way that this guy does it might be better. It might be more efficient. So, you know, like you were talking about Staff Sergeant Romain. When I first met that dude, I couldn't stand that dude. And you know it because oh, yeah. me and him would, <laughs> bro, we would argue in the office, whatever. But I think now thinking about it years later, you know, like Morales says, hindsight's twenty twenty. Like now thinking about it, like me and Romain talk all the time. Bro, I FaceTime him when I'm drunk. I FaceTime him when I'm sober. Like me and him talk all the time. And, um... You know, now looking back at it, I really think the reason why him, me and him were so out, not out for each other, but so willing to argue with each other was because he wanted to be the best 
and I wanted to be best. I wanted to best him. So he would write for, I would write for, he would write for, I would write for, you know, and I think that's what it came to was it, what we weren't, where we fucked up was that me and him didn't come together as a team to make Mammoth better. And I think that if we had, we could have gone even further. But you're not, you're not wrong. You're you know not what wrong. I mean? Like yeah. now thinking I about think, that, I think like I think that's why like you know me and you working together. Um, and don't get me wrong, man. We've had our heated arguments. Oh, we've, we've had bro, many heated arguments. We've gone back and forth a million times, but it was a understanding that like I'm not the best recruiter. I already knew that I wasn't the best recruiter out here. You know, I made it work. But that's one thing I can say. You, yeah, you put in. You put in so much work that eventually it had to work. Yes. It had to. Like yeah. you're you just continued to better your odds by just working harder. Yes. And not smart. But hey, uh, you know, everybody has their different ways. <laughs> um, but I, I I would say like the reason like I think the reason why me and you were like so uh, so successful working together is that I knew you were better than me. All day, every day. And, you know, you can ask anybody, everybody knows that you're better um it's just uh, it's your thing man that, selling is your thing dude it's always been your thing man inspiring people's always been your thing and i knew that so when i struggled interviewing a kid or asking kid questions trying to to understand what he's looking for so we can help him grasp and find it in the marine corps or if he doesn't join we still help him in some way mm -hmm. to really truly think about what he wants to do with his life and it was just, I knew it. And, and that's why I think that we were so successful together is because you were that guy, the guy that I could rely on to help me figure out what that individual was looking for. Yeah. Um, and I think a huge part of it too is, like you just said, man, like you have to, on recruiting duty and probably in other fields of business, you have to be able to pull people into the conversation, you know, and I, and I say that because like there was this when I was working at Atlantic City, this other recruiter that I worked with, he was fucking killing it, bro. Like, dude was fucking dirty. Like, I'll even go to say that, like me and him, like if we were ever recruiters together, like me and him were like kind of like the same thing. We were both just as just aggressive. Um, but the thing about him, though, was just the fact of like he did this thing and I never saw it. And it made me mad that I, again, that I wish I'd seen this two years ago. And what they did was in their office was like, if he, he's a gym rat, right? Yeah. He's a gym rat, whatever. Um, big dude, gym rat tattoos and goofball drives a Wrangler. It, what he would do is if he made a phone call, which he never really made phone calls, but if he had someone come in the office, start building a rapport with him, and all of a sudden he finds out that this kid's like a nerd or someone who likes, you know, IT or whatever. If he found that out throughout building rapport, he would just stop the interview and he would look over at the other recruiter and he'd be like, hey, man, Stazarn, come over here. Talk, sit down and talk to this kid. And he would literally just hand him off. And then it became a thing where that recruiter would be like, oh, dude, this guy's a big jock. He's huge into sports. He's into this. He's into that. Oh, hey, man, you know what, bro? You got him. Go talk to him. And it became this thing where it was just, bro, it's more about the service than it is just selling somebody on something. It's like, if I can build more rapport with you and I can have a better conversation with you and I'm going to be able to ultimately help you achieve your goal in becoming a Marine, 
then let me do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and when I watched that happen, I was like, dude, like that makes sense. Because, you know, and then, you know, like you were talking about, you know, there's people who are also really good natural closers, but there's also people who just kind of go around and go around and go around and they just never beat and they, they never get, you know, they're just beaten beating their head around and they just never get to the final question of like, Hey, do you want to be a Marine? And that's a lot of times where you would be like, Hey, Benny, uh, kind of need you over here, you know, yeah. but, but again, talking about like just everything, like it's good that you were able to seek self-improvement and know, Hey, this is where I lot, where I lack. And this is where you're better. Help me out here. Yeah. Because like, I don't know anything about crash fire. So I would pull you into the conversation. I don't know anything about culinary arts. I would pull you into the conversation. Yeah. So again, just given that that recruiters coming out here, that advice, like you have to use every single person in your office to be successful. And on top of that, your office needs to be like a fire team. Your office needs to be a fucking a fire team going into battle because every single one of you has something to put to the table. And if you're all separate and you're not fighting together, then um you're, gonna, you're just fucking the other person over. Yeah, no, that's true, man. And and that's the one thing I think where a lot of a lot of stations fell at is that you're always gonna have that one guy who is your heavy hitter in the office. A hundred percent. You're always gonna have that one guy who writes four or five contracts, whatever I've, it is. I've always found that it's like two. Yeah. I, I think. Yeah. Every every office that I've been a part of for years, I've always found that it's like two. Yeah. Depending on the office, yeah. so like if Mammoth is one and five. Norm, it was me and Romaine. Then when me and Romaine left, it was you and Morales. And right now that we all left, now it's like, well, Quavas doesn't have a number two, but Quavas is just the better one. Yeah, and, and that's the problem, man. Is like when you when you think about it, like I I, I believe that I wrote like I think like five five bats. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I wrote about so five bats. A bat is four and uh, one month. Yeah, so he wrote four, twenty four people. So he wrote five. Yeah, four five times. Yeah, and and then. Your boss knows that you're you're pulling the weight of the office, so your boss is asking you for, for more, more. For more. And that's where it comes to where like working every day, staying out there, just grinding until midnight, waking up, doing it all over again. The monotonous that you kind of brought yeah. up in the conversation is I didn't I, I shouldn't have had to do that. A hundred percent. Yeah. You shouldn't have had to oh, do that. Oh, dude, I wrote I wrote eight eight bets. So and it's and it's like you said, man. And, and I actually, I did it three months back to back. And it's like talking about. And listen, I'm I'm gonna say this because like it's just reality of it, bro. If you don't put your two in a month, you're a fucking bitch. I don't care. Like you're listen, unless you have like some sick shit going on in life right now. Like if you're not giving your two a month or like doing everything you fucking possibly can, then you're a fucking bitch. And the reason why I say that is because. I've seen people. I, I had this one dude a couple of years ago, man. He um, he had a he had a he had a kid that was being born. His the child was born stillborn, and died on the freaking died at the hospital. And then he went back to work. And that month that he that that happened, he wrote six fucking contracts or even more. I, I've known Marines that have gone home from a long day of work. To find their families gone, wife took the kids, divorced them, and they didn't hold their head low. They 
they of course they tried to remedy the situation yeah but at the same time they knew that they were a marine they had a mission to accomplish and they did it so like when people tell me like oh man this duty's hard bro i've seen some of the the most introverted people be the best recruiters and it's simply because of mental toughness it's simply the fact of like Nowhere in your Marine Corps career has there ever been a thing of like, oh, well, I tried. No. Like, how many times have you heard that? Hey, man, why don't you have anything for tomorrow? Well, Stash, I really tried. Bro, it doesn't fucking matter, man. It doesn't matter that you tried because guess what? You're not putting people in the deck. You're not putting people in boot camp. At the end of the day, you trying literally fucking means nothing. Because if you if you, if you were homeless – and you were given all of the ability to build a freaking house, and then your answer is, oh, well, I just tried to do it, and it didn't do anything, you're still fucking homeless, bitch. So, like, the reality of it is, is, like, what we're kind of, like, kind of went off on a tangent, but what we're really talking about is just hold your fucking own. Because, like, think about the, the last three years of your career. How awesome would it have been if everybody wrote there, too? Bro, you could have had bro, it, like the, the, the and the Marine Corps recruiting, bro. What do they always talk about? Quality of life, quality of life, bro. The only way you're oh you're ever gonna get quality of life is when every single Marine in that office is working in unison and you're all doing your part. If you want quality of life, that's what you got to do. But when there's that one dude, even if it's just one, who does nothing every fucking day and every month. Now, mind you. If you're somebody, and I'm not going to say his name, but if you're somebody who comes into work every day, gives his fucking all, and really tries, and it still doesn't work out for you, I'm not going to be mad at you. I'm just going to continue to train you. you I'm going to continue to train you. (laughs) Like That's the thing is you can't be mad at that. If if you're actually putting in the work and the effort. 100%. um, Like a huge thing that you told me is the reason why I was so successful out here is the fact that. I'm like a shotgun. Yeah. Uh, I, dude, I worked endlessly, man. I talked to anybody and everybody, man. I didn't care if it was, you know, uh, a mom, a grandfather, daughter, whatever, uncle, cousin. I didn't care. Like, I, there were moments when I was out there talking to people and I stopped anywhere between like four or five people at the same exact time and talked to every single one of them. And, you know, yes, I didn't get like, you know, an appointment out of it, but mm-hmm. I still inspired them. I, I still talked to them about their plans and how to get to where they wanted to be. And of course, I gave them my business card. I'm pretty sure you can walk around Monmouth County and oh, somebody yeah. has, has my business card. In the Bro, I, I remember one day we were sitting in the office, some some dude walked in and he was like, hey, man, I'm uh, I'm here to see Durkee. And I was just like, I was like, OK, where, where did you meet him? Like, whatever. And this is when I was your boss. And I was like, where did you meet him? Or whatever. He said, oh, no, he gave me his business card three years ago. And I was like, wait, what? And he was like, yeah, man, three years ago, uh, he gave me his business card at my high school. And I just I just graduated and I'm ready to join the Marine Corps. I've just been holding this in my pocket. And it was like, wait, wait a minute. This is reality. <laughs> so finally, one of those thousands of business cards, because you used to buy your own, too. Oh, yeah. No, and I you would just go to Staples. Own. And yeah, it's yeah. Uh, but that's the thing, man. It's like I said, you can't be mad at the guy or girl who's fighting every day to be better. Yes. And that's because as long as you're putting in the work, I'm not going to be mad at you. But yeah. what I am going to be mad at is the people who who come at me and they're like, oh, well, I tried. No, because you and I well know that there were nights where like we would be told to go home. But because we had nothing for tomorrow, we would go out until two in the fucking morning. Yeah. 
Yes. And some people might say, well, does, does that really fucking work? A lot of times it doesn't. But hey, in order for you to be a successful recruiter, you got to be in the right place at the right time. That's literally what it all is. Yeah. You know, and we've, we've talked about that. Oh, yeah. You know, like, is a portion of it luck? Yeah. Yes, because you portion. have to be in the right place at the right time. Talking to the but, right person. But you have to have the skill when you need it. Because if you met the right person, but you didn't have the skill, then it doesn't fucking matter that you had the skill. It true. doesn't matter. So you have to have one and you have to have the other. Yes. Because you can't just hope on skill. You can't just hope. It's like when you say, hey, when your your boss asks you, hey, man, is he going to is he gonna make it on deck? Oh, I hope so. Hey, is he going to show up today? Yeah, I hope so. No, motherfucker. You've got to believe in that. You've got to will it and just say, yeah, yeah, he's going to be good. He's going to show up. And now, mind you, is it going to happen? You're going to have no shows. Yeah. yeah. But, um. But that's really all it is, man, is, is I'm telling you right now, like, if you're a recruiter about to go out on the streets, just remember everything that you've been taught from the moment that you walked into the Marine Corps recruiting office and that you walked into boot camp. It's that simple. You never quit. No matter how hard it is, you put forth an honest effort every single day and you just push yourself to be the best version of yourself. Because if if the Marine Corps as a whole did that, Marine Corps recruiting duty wouldn't be nearly as hard. And and what I'm going to and what I'll end with, man, is is why do people even why did the Marine Corps create a B billet? You know, they tell you from scratch. The reason why is because they want to know that you can go out of your MOS for three straight years and that you can still be a leader and still fucking do work. And the reality of it is, is that you meet a lot of people on this duty that you're like, bro, you had to have been the biggest shit bag in the Marine Corps. It really makes you think. You're like, bro, is this how you acted then? And, you're and wrong. you know what I mean? Because it, it yeah. really brings you out. It really brings out brings out the individualism. It brings out your lack of a teamwork, your your lack of a, of of care. Yeah. You know, and and you know, there's a lot of people that I've met on recruiting duty that I love. I love them as a person. I love them as a man, but I don't like them as a Marine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, no, hey, I you're agree. a cool guy. Yeah. But as a Marine recruiter, nah, fuck you. Like, I don't yeah. fuck with you. Yeah. Like, I'd rather just not even deal with you. Yeah. But there's, realistically, man, just kind of ending this and capping it up. Yeah. There's a, if, if you don't mind, man. Yeah, there's, of course. There's, there's one more thing. Uh, you know, I, I definitely want to leave yeah. know, somebody coming Let's out Let's go. Here. Let's go. Um, is... Uh, you know, I, I didn't say it in my my going away speech. You know, I, I had a lot of things going in my head. Yeah, yeah. By the way, your going away speech was fucking awesome. Thank uh, you. Thank you. No lie, I definitely, um, I definitely really appreciated the words, and I think everybody that was there definitely got yeah. something from it because yeah. it was heartfelt. And um, <clears throat> I'm not gonna lie, I thought you were gonna cry, but you didn't. No, no, no. proud of you on that. Tears. Uh, but uh, what were you gonna but, say? Yeah, man. Um, I I wanted. You know, especially coming out here is um, I want everybody that comes out here and, and is dealing with all the stress, the anxiety and everything along those lines, you know, having the Marines in the office there to help you, you know, deal with whatever, because we're all going through the same stuff. Um, but I think if there's one thing that I could change is caring more about my health and my family. 100%, bro. Like, that's I, the one thing I would change. Don't ever get so caught up because there are moments um, where I've got so caught up in recruiting duty 
that I lack the care of talking to my wife mm -hmm. about my issues or I like that the care actually brought, that, yeah, spending, that brought spending some, time yeah. with my family. You made you know, me just the, think about something. Yeah, the, the little bit of time that I had um, to spend with my family while yeah. out here, it, it, I wish I could go back yeah. and change. Do more sightseeing, do more things, do have more, more time. Do more understanding, spending read more, more time. Bed stuff, read more um, bedtime stories. Because, yeah, and, and that's honestly, you know, you guys helped me through everything since I've been out here, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and I, I truly, truly believe that I wouldn't have been able to do this without my wife. Oh, hundred percent. She, she was always, when I was at home and I had my breakdown moments and I was like, screw this. I don't want to do this anymore. She was always Raymond. It's, it's just a job. You can do it. Go in there. Tomorrow's a new day. Everybody always tells you tomorrow's a new day. It is a new day. Yes, you might not have found that guy yesterday, but when you go in there in that morning, you put on that smile, that 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 fake smile. You know, you, everybody has issues. Put on that fake smile. Try your best. Put forth the actual work and the effort, and you will find that person. Yeah. You will find that. Person. And you did. I did. You know, and uh, and I'm glad that you actually brought that up, man, because a couple of years ago, um, I was in a uh, a family in a in a spouse Bible study, um, and we were a lot of us were talking about how all of us had different jobs and stuff. And one of the wives had brought up that. And ever since she said this, it really just kind of affected me. She was like, I work. She was a stay at home mom, I believe. And she was like, you work. She was talking to her husband. She goes, you work all day long. You're, you're at work doing your job, providing for us. And I'm home watching our children, teaching them, molding them. Right. The only conversation I have all day long from 8 a.m. until 10 o'clock at night when you get home is with a three-year-old. Or in your case, your daughter's how old? Daughter's, uh, she turned six this year. Six. Yeah. So your wife, in her case, her only conversation she had all day long with a six -year was with a six-year-old. Yes. But now, caveat to that, when you get home, and you just spent all day talking to every single person or people who hung up the phone on you, people who cussed you out, whatever it is, the last thing you want to do is talk to somebody, whether it's your wife or anybody else. So what I would I would urge, you know, that person who's coming out here, you know, just remember that if you have a spouse, you know, your your spouse is without you. Your child is without you for all of those long hours. Um, and like you said, you lose a lot of things you can never get back. You know, I remember um, I remember one time my son, he had just started talking, like literally had just started talking. And he looked at me and he was like, it was like 8 a.m. And he was like, Dad, I'll see you tomorrow. Like he just knew. He just knew that I wasn't going to be home before bedtime and that he probably wasn't going to see me tomorrow. So he was conditioned to know at two years old to just say, hey, I'll see you tomorrow. And it hurt. You know, and I get it at the same time, like I was doing the right thing, my job. But at the end of the day, like you said, man, like we lose sight of the things that matter most. Um, and like you said, it, I could never. And I don't tell her this enough, but I could never have done this job without my wife. Like, bro, my wife. I took her to meet families. She was an advocate for me, bro. My wife recruited people for me. She would pull up to the freaking drive through pack a kid out, 
given my business cards, set me appointments. Like, you know, like my wife was the biggest person in my corner, still is. Um, and and I couldn't have done four years on recruiting duty without her. Like my wife sat home and raised two kids for three years. Yeah. Literally fed them, clothed them, brought them to school, picked them up from school, worked a full-time job, finished her degree, got her bachelor's, like all while I was at work. You know, and it's 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 just crazy to think about all the things that she sacrificed for me to be successful. Yep. And the same thing for your wife. You know, that yep. you you really don't think about all the things that they sacrificed so that we could be successful and so that the Marine Corps essentially could be successful. Because if we weren't successful, you know, the Marine Corps wouldn't have made it, you know. And it, it like you said, man, I'm glad that you brought that up because again, that it's just something that you you don't get it back time and you don't get it back so try to try to make time for the people that matter yeah and at the end of the day it is just the job but i'm not saying that as in like you shouldn't give your 100 percent your all every day yes. and you know I'll, I'll just end it again with just for real this time just just you man like you and i always wondered that i was like bro this guy never comes in here pissed off like he always comes in like ready to work smile on uniform on when I was a recruiter with you. And when I was your boss, you know, like you, you really just, I'm going to be honest with you, man. Like you're somebody that I literally hold near and dear to my heart because you've taught me so much about what it is to be a staff NCO and your can do attitude, the, the way that you just lead Marines and the way that you allow yourself to be led by other Marines is just something that I, I I aspire to be like and others as well. And I know that like me and Morales have talked about it. Um, but hey, man, thank you for you know taking the time to be on this podcast and uh, good luck in, in Beaufort. And uh, you come in, see me, right? Oh, 100 percent. All day. Every day. Um, but yeah, man, thank you. And uh, yeah, I will. Hey, man, I appreciate it, too, man. Uh, definitely getting my story out there i hope it can definitely uh, help other people uh coming out here on recruit duty hopefully they'll listen to it and uh you know be successful man raw out <laughs>